Welcome to the Lewis and Broad podcast, streaming from the corner of Lewis and Broad Street here in LaGrange, Georgia. Lewis and Broad is a storytelling podcast where we share the lives and tales of people and local organizations from our small town. My name is Leighton Parker, the director of Lewis and Broad, and here are your hosts, Pastor James Goodlett and Pastor Jan Tolbert. Welcome, everybody, back to the Lewis and Broad podcast. This is episode number 29 of our esteemed highly acclaimed world famous podcast broadcasting here from beautiful downtown LaGrange Georgia my name is James Goodlett I'm one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church in LaGrange and as always I'm joined by my good friend and colleague the Reverend Jan Stewart Tolbert Jan how are we doing today James hi it's a good day it's later in the week than I'm used to doing podcasts on but hey it's still it's great it's true it's we're actually recording this on Thursday, October the 14th. It is a beautiful, beautiful day outside, and I understand the weather's going to be getting a little cooler this weekend. We're getting ready for lots of exciting stuff. The Braves have just clinched the NLDS. They're moving on to play either the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers or the San Francisco Giants, obviously, by the time this podcast drops. I fully expect them to be ahead. We'll say two or three games to none. That's what I'm going to go with. I'm just going to be confident about it. I'm going to own it. Speaking of confidence, I can with full confidence say that neither one of my football teams will lose this weekend. How can you be so sure? Because the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets and the Atlanta Falcons do not play this weekend. So this will be a safe weekend. It's going to be my safe space. But we're recording early. We have to do that because, you know, I'm high maintenance and I'm traveling next week. Yeah. James is going to be away taking some classes up in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, PA. So it'll be good. It'll be good for you to get some education up there. and uh, I need it, some education. Bring it back and help us. I think it's a great, a beautiful weekend for football, a beautiful weekend for traveling, a beautiful weekend for a family, and it's just going to be great. It's fall, too. And we've said this before. That with fall comes certain kinds of foods, especially as it gets a little cooler. Now, a couple weeks ago, you and I had a a rather spirited debate about pumpkin spice. You're anti. I'm pro. But I think what we do love is fresh seasonal vegetables. I love them in soups. I I love them in, I mean, I, I feel like one of the core words of Presbyterianese and really churchies is casserole. For sure. It's hard to beat a good casserole with some fresh veggies. And you know where people, if they live in these parts, because I always, I mean, it doesn't matter where I've lived, I love to go to a good farmer's market. Now, have you been to a farmer's market before, Jim? Oh, many, many times. And when I think about fall, I immediately think of all the pumpkins around a farmer's market. And I think of all the moms that would oh be my. displayed in a farmer's market. It's all about this time of year. Let's t- just a sidetrack because you said it. You dropped it. And by the way, we haven't said yet that also in studio with us is the magnificent Leighton Parker, our director, fearless and true. Leighton, how are you doing today? I'm good. I actually just bought some pumpkins and mums this morning. Yes. Well, did you buy the mums or did your mother buy the mums? My mom bought. The mums. Your mom, your mom loves mums. She does. She, she does. does. I tell you what, Linus Parker, I feel like she is a mum aficionado. She knows a good mum when she sees it. And this is 
by far the most random conversation I think we've had on this podcast. But it's true. And, and mums are a, a fall thing. Mm-hmm. And tell me something, Layton. Where did you buy your pumpkins today? The farmer's market. The farmer's market here in LaGrange, which is absolutely the perfect segue to our guest today, the owner and operator of the LaGrange Farmer's Market. Cody Nix is with us. Cody, welcome to Lewis and Broad. We are so glad to have you. Thanks, guys. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, obviously, we have been to your farmer's market. And for those of you who want to learn a little bit more about the farmer's market here in LaGrange, take a look at the story that has been written by Adam Roberts, contributor and chaplain over at LaGrange College. It's up on lewisandbroad.org. It's a great, great story. Talks all about Cody and the work that they're doing over at the farmer's market. Cody, you come from a family of grocery folk. Tell us a little bit about that, because I know you grew up in Phoenix City, but you have lived your life in the grocery. So tell us a little bit about that. Yes, I have, James. My brother and I are fourth-generation produce men, I guess you'd call us, produce people. Our great-grandfather started with a horse and buggy in Columbus, Georgia, going door-to-door. And our grandfather transitioned over to wholesale produce, flying grocery stores, restaurants, curb markets in Columbus. And my father continued that until I was around 12. And then he made the jump over to retail, partly due to necessity, as the big grocery stores started using their own distribution centers and restaurants, kind of gravitated towards companies like Cisco and U.S. Foods that, that kind of provide them with everything they need. So he kind of saw the writing on the wall there. Well, it sounds like from looking at Adam's article that, that you started out early in this grocery business, uh, five years old, running around through the stores, running between rows of Christmas trees. I mean, that, that had to kind of be magical for a little child. Oh, yeah, that, those are good memories. I still have them yeah, down at the state market in Columbus. During Christmas time, they'd be selling trees, and I'd go down there and hang out in the evening, you know, just kind of run and hide in the trees and just have fun. Yeah, well, our family's bought trees from the LaGrange Farmer's Market before, and I'll tell you, there is a mad dash to get one from y'all. They get going fast. It's unbelievable. About a month this season for us. It's just around the corner. Let's back up just a little bit and talk about the farmer's market here in LaGrange because I'll be honest, when I think of a farmer's market, at least before I moved here a few years ago, I thought of something that is set up, say, on Saturday mornings in a downtown community and people are selling their wares there. But that is very different than what what y'all do. So what makes you different from your typical farmer's market and also what makes you different than your typical grocery store we're different from the local pop-up markets on saturdays and of course we're year-round and while some of our products do come from local farmers the bulk of them come from state markets and forest parks now in the summertime we have people that we've dealt with for years in cordill and south georgia that we get peas and watermelons and, and other vegetables from and there are a few local folks that throw stuff and, and bring them to us, and we're glad to glad to see them. We love to see local. As far as grocery stores, what separates us is our quality, I believe, is the main thing. And then value, you're going to get more bang for your buck here with us. And we, When we do go to Atlanta to buy, if we're looking at it up there, we're looking at the product there, you know, choosing which what we want 
when we get back, we look at it again. And as we stock the tables, we're looking at it again. So it's, it's all about maintaining a, a higher standard of, of quality, kind of what sets us apart in my mind. That makes sense. Back to the, your kind of generational history with groceries, did, did you always know that this was where you would spend your lifetime, or did how did you get into it? No, Dan, I, I actually left the business and went to college and worked a little in the golf industry. My dad did the same thing. He, he left, went to college, and I think he, he was looking to be in the museum there in Columbus. He was a history major in college, so he enjoyed local history. Uh, Westville and around Lumpkin and you know that area mm-hmm. and so eventually he came back to work with my granddad and just like him I came back to work with with him around 2000 and I've, I've been here since then so how did it get started here in LaGrange how did this farmer's market because again to be clear it's not just your standard pop-up market this is something that's open all year long you're in a building off of greenville street here in lagrange and lafayette parkway here in lagrange so how did this whole thing get started here in columbus we when we first opened there we had a perfect spot my business was booming we grew and grew and grew until we outgrew where we were and it's sad moved the store to another location with a bigger facility. And for some reason or another, it didn't work. So decided to close the shop there and, and move up here. The, the original property had been sold, so he couldn't get back in there, and there wasn't really anywhere else that uh, excited him. So he decided to come to LaGrange, and he actually, when he first got here, he, he was over in front of Planet Fitness. There was a... Uh, well, it's actually right where the new cookout is. He had parks strung up on some poles, like a, it was a pavilion-type deal, open air. So in the winter, he was when he first started, so he just strung up tarps and started there and made a name for himself and worked his way up to where we are now. Quite the journey. Honestly, Cody, I mean, this, was, this was something new. I've, I've lived around the South, and, and I've seen some places. I grew up in... Marietta, and there was something called Harry's up there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I guess it was big box version kind of of what y'all do. This is highly localized. But is, is what y'all have done here at the farmer's market here in LaGrange, is that a common thing? Because I, I noticed that in Adam's article about you that you've had folks ask you if you could open up something similar in their community. So is this a common thing? I don't. It's not too common. We get people from Union here. We get folks from Peachtree City, Union City, that far north. And uh, Pine Mountain, they're always asking us, please come come to where we are and open one of these and you'll do great. And they're probably right. The only thing holding us back really is finding people you can trust to, to take care of it. Same with our store in Opelika that my brother Mitch runs. He, he has people from Montgomery come to him. He has people from Alexander City, Dayville. They're all, you know, they're begging for one up there. But I, it, the logistics of it would be difficult for us right now. I don't see stores like ours very, very often. I haven't. Uh, I see other, uh, I guess, other types of markets, 
that are year round, but nothing, nothing like what we've got going here. It's very much a gym here in LaGrange. We're really lucky to have it. Thank you. Very much. I wanted to ask you, Cody, about something in, the, in Adam's article talking about ripening tomatoes that were picked when they were green. <laughs> And I know right. I've I know I've bought some of those kind of weird pinky looking tomatoes in the big grocery store and slice them open and it smells like cardboard and right it tastes a little like cardboard too oh yeah yeah I was curious about that kind of thing and and where else it might influence our food uh, well bananas I guess is where it kind of got started they used to keep bananas warm by burning kerosene heaters. Mm-hmm. And they realized that the, the bananas would ripen a whole lot quicker when they used the kerosene heaters. And they figured out that it was because of the ethylene that the burning kerosene gives off was triggering the ripening mechanism in the bananas. So they started doing that with tomatoes. They'll pick tomatoes that are, you know, fairly hard green and box them up, put them in a room and seal the room and then pump in the ethylene. And it, it does get them ripe, but not the same as them getting ripe on the vine. Vine ripes are so much better. Tasting, the texture's better, and that's what we buy. We stay away from the gas tomatoes, which is what you'll find on a fast food burger, you know, the pink yep. tomato with, with, like you say, that tastes like cardboard. And, and I was also discussing with Adam about the, there's a misunderstanding about hothouse tomatoes, people call them greenhouse tomatoes. Uh-huh. Those are generally some of the tastiest you'll ever get because they're grown in ideal conditions. They control air, light, heat, the insects a little better. People hear hot house, and I think they they immediately think of those pink, you know, tasteless mm-hmm. tomatoes that you find in some stores and, and, and most of your fast food restaurants. Or we tend to stay away from those. Good. Yeah. Are there any other fruits or vegetables that we should be aware of that may be ripened in these strange yeah, because ways? Because I just want to say, I didn't know this before today. I, n- I never want foods that, especially fruits and vegetables that have been quote unquote gassed. That, that to me, that just doesn't sound good. But what do I know? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just a podcast host and a pastor. But I, I can imagine that there are probably to Jan's question, things about food that would just absolutely blow your average person's mind away. Right. That the gas thing is, is always a good one to, to fill folks in on. That, I think bananas and tomatoes are about the only two items I can think of that are, that are gas like that or forced to, to ripen. What about watermelons? Do they pick them green and ripen them or no? No, they, they know when those are ready. The farmers know. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys that work for the farmers know and so they now the watermelons are ripened on the vine and they clip them and and harvest them color of the stripe indicator of ripeness the uh the actual i guess you call it the the end of the watermelon where the stem is attached the vine is attached Mm -hmm. they'll look at that and if it's a certain way they'll know that hey this is ripe and ready to go or it's it's overripe or underripe interesting what about genetically modified organisms in vegetables and produce. What do I not know about that that I should know? I, I don't know a whole lot about that because we're getting, you know, a lot of the corn we get is non-GMO, which is confusing to me because I always thought of the, 
you know, the original corn was, you know, about four inches long and, you know, about as big around as your thumb or, or two thumbs. But so I don't know how the, the corn today is non-GMO because a lot of items have been, you know, modified. Uh-huh. Been, they're hybrids. The non-GMO, I'm not real sure because I, I feel like everything has been some degree changed from its, you know, the original version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like we see, you know, if you Netflix or Amazon or whatever, and you do just a simple search, you're going to see some sort of documentary out there about the food industry. And it's usually uncovering something that's unethical or something that people are placing in, whether it's fruits, vegetables, meats, or anything like that. I'm curious, Cody, how do you identify folks to work with and partner with over there at the farmer's market? Because I I would imagine that it's important, as much as I read in this article, it's really important quality, freshness. You kind of want to avoid that kind of stuff if you can. So how do you identify the folks you want to work with? There's a couple of companies in Atlanta that we buy from that are Primus certified. They come in and audit the company for cleanliness, the freshness of their produce, their whole operating system. And then they'll grade them. And these two in particular have really high marks. I think they're 99%. The other one, they're kind of old school. You know, they kind of just, they've got farmers that bring them peas and farmers that bring them, ship them watermelon. What they do They've been buying from the same people just like we've been buying from them for, for years. So, And a lot of those people they buy from are family business. You know, just say, for instance, the guy that grows collard, or the guy that we buy it from, you know, his, his dad probably grew them, his granddaddy probably grew them. And so that it's just kind of passed on down through his generation. And you know when something's, you know, not right. It's just as long as we've been in it, we know, hey, stay away from it. These folks are, you know, go to these people. They're really good. They know what they're doing. They've always got good quality stuff. And and most of them are fine. As far as the farmers go, like in South Georgia, the ones we buy from, we buy wheat straw from a guy that now that sold peas to my grandfather in Columbus. And he, this, this fellow's probably mid-70s or late-70s as far as his age goes. So it's, we've known him for forever, and he's known us forever so it's just you just kind of build build up trust based on long-lasting relationship so your supply chain is kind of a mix of local or somewhat local right relationships that have been long established but also if if you're going to go to a place like atlanta and work with a company it's somebody who vets these farmers to be or the, the suppliers they vet them to be sure that what they're offering is fresh and good and healthy is that correct that's correct yeah most of most flyers in atlanta are just like us, you know, their dad did it, their granddad did it before their dad. So, you know, it's just been in their family for a long time. That's kind of the way the produce will do it. Well, it sounds like a good model for doing business if you can have those long-term relationships with suppliers. Right. Unfortunately, we lost dad two years ago. But, you know, there's no one on the Atlanta market. There's really no one in South Georgia at the Cordill market that doesn't know who he is. Right? Mm. He's been in it since he was... 12, 13, 14, except for when he stepped away for a minute to, to pursue a career in the museum, but he, he's always been in, in produce. 
Well, I'm sure your dad would be proud that the tradition continues to the next generation. Cody, I was wondering, what are your hopes and dreams moving forward with the LaGrange Farmer's Market? We just hope to be here. We hope that everybody continues to be loyal to us. We're, we're certainly going to be here for for the community, doing the best we can, trying to give them the best produce that they can find, you know, to get a good, a fair price. Uh, if Dad's looking down, I hope, you know, try to make him proud. Uh, absolutely. No doubt about that. And I, I can imagine... Because there, there is a bit of this in the article that Adam Roberts wrote. And again, folks, that's at lewisandbroad.org. He, he says that you, you saw the writing on the wall a long time ago that your chain grocery stores were going to be largely supplied by folks like Cisco. And, and so y'all, y'all wanted to go with a hyper-local, hyper-fresh model. That's right. I'm curious, and, and during the course of your lifetime, in this business, what changes, significant changes have you seen take place? Because I know that you, you said, you know, your hopes and dreams are that y'all remain here. And I think it's vitally important that community stores, community markets like yours exist. And then, like I said, the LaGrange Farmer's Market is a gem of a gem. Well, thank you. What do you feel like y'all have to navigate? What kinds of changes have you had to navigate over the years? You never know what Mother Nature is going to throw our way. Every year, there's four or five different times in the year where one commodity will just almost vanish, and if you can find it, you got to pay big time for it. But you know, it's just there's really not a whole lot other than advances in harvesting technology, uh, trucking, uh, refrigeration. The, the organic movement has been a big one. That's good. That's just, definitely better for you mm-hmm. you know the, and the costs are coming down the uh the pandemic and what it's brought has been really the biggest issue we faced in my 20 years here at the farmer's market trucks not having enough drivers the fuel costs are going up uh, it's, it's affecting it's affecting everyone and it's definitely affect anything that goes on a truck and that's everything everything at one point or another is on a truck we've had to adapt to that. Yeah, this pandemic has been has been something else and and you speak to that a little bit in in the article when they talk about family relationships and and not only your suppliers and your truckers and all all that, but y'all y'all have had to like everybody else, you, you got to find workers to to work the store, but what jumped out at me about what Adam wrote about y'all is you clearly put a priority on workplace culture. You put a priority on establishing family-like relationships with those folks who, who work with you and you love to give the underdog a chance. And I love that. If you could say a little bit about workplace culture and, and how you make that farmer's market such a wonderful place to be. We try to find folks that are down there, you know, this is usually a second or third career choice for, for most of our folks. A lot of them are retired and they just got bored and wanted something to do. And so they came by and I said, sure, we'll give it a shot. Um, most of our employees have been with us for several years. Some going on, oh gosh, 10 or 12 years. 
So there's really no secrets around here. We can't hide anything from each other because it's just like a it's like a big family, you know, brothers and sisters. There's going to be arguments and disagreements, but you know, we work through it and make it happen, and it's all good in the end. Well, it sounds like, yeah, besides being the general grocer, you're also human resources, and maybe you work all positions. I am. I'm everywhere. Well, Cody, we are so glad to have you here in LaGrange. We're so glad to have the farmer's market here in LaGrange. I can tell you every time I take my kids over there, my wife and I will peruse all the produce and all the you know healthy stuff, but where do you think my kids go first? They got to go to the candy counter. They go to the candy counter, and they get all the chocolate-covered everything, and usually we'll get the chocolate-covered pretzels or whatever you got there because those things are right. delicious. We locate that stuff strategically, you know, right there by the registers at uh, about a child's height so they can see. Well, you have done well, sir. Yeah, well played, Cody. <laughs> well played because we cannot get out of there without buying something from that general area. So well done. But thank you so much for being on today, Cody. And got to tell you, I'm ready to get back over to that farmer's market right now. I love that place and love the work that y'all are doing. We appreciate y'all. We appreciate the people with drink. We couldn't do it without their loyalty and support. Hope everybody will check out the article again on lewisandbroad.org about the farmer's market here in LaGrange that is run by our guest today, Cody Nix. Next week, is our season finale of season two of the Lewis and Broad podcast. And we couldn't do a series on the food culture here in LaGrange without a piece and an article on Charlie Josephs. For those of you who are here in LaGrange, you know all about Charlie Josephs. And for those of you who listen to us beyond this place well charlie josephs is your definition of an institution it, tr- it is it is a tradition they are over 100 years old now fantastic hot dogs fantastic burgers it is again I mean, my kids love to go there and can't wait to talk with the good folks from charlie josephs and read Caroline Johnson's article on them. It's going to be great. And that'll be a perfect way to wrap up season two of the Lewis and Broad podcast. At our next podcast as well, at the end of the season finale, maybe just maybe we'll get a, give you a little teaser about what's coming in season three. We'll see. Layton, I'm sure you've got some stuff that you've been... I have some ideas cooking. Absolute cooking. I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. I see what you did there. All right, y'all. As always, we are grateful for your taking the time to listen to us. And if you have any questions, contact us again on our website, lewisandbroad.org. Until our season finale, remember who and whose you are. And take care of yourselves, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us this week on Lewis and Broad. Make sure to visit our website at fbclagrange.org slash lewisandbroad where you can read our articles and subscribe to our show in iTunes and Spotify. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Until next time.